Welcome to the Stakeholders Podcast, the show where we try to answer the question, what's at stake? We dive into how an organization's pursuit of their objectives affect or are affected by the people. Our guests come from the private industry, government, education, and more to discuss how they manage with their stakeholders in mind to achieve long-term success. On today's episode, we're joined by Nell Brown, a visionary in leadership and development, a registered nurse, registered midwife, OHP certificate holder in medicine and law, a nutrition network, LCHF nutrition practitioner, and a BSI tutor. And now, thank you very much for being a guest on the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Andy, thank you so much for this opportunity to chat and share some of my thinking. I'm chatting with you all the way from uh, Cape Town in South Africa, and uh, I'm a health professional in private practice and also an independent home-based business owner, and uh, just really appreciate and grateful for technology that my business is not limited by geographical boundaries. Yeah, and, and it's really cool. You're my first international guest, and this is really exciting for me, and I really appreciate you hopping on. There's about 10 hours of difference between us. But again, like you said, communication just allowed us to uh, talk about the things that make us passionate, which is so, so exciting for me. Can you tell us a little bit more about your roles that I just mentioned in your introduction and uh, maybe kind of like the background of your career? Well, I think what um, I I started my training just out of school as a, a professional nurse and went on to specialize in midwifery and then occupational health nursing after that. And uh, many career moves have actually um, opened doors for me. And I realized that sometimes there's a door and it opens and you step through and you learn some things and there's been very good career moves and sometimes doors don't open. And uh, another door opens later on and you say, well, that was better. I just needed to wait for the timing to be right. And uh, essentially my career is a culmination of uh, a very long time in a health professional capacity. Yeah, and I think it's so important for, especially in today's world, to really be conscious of health habits and of things that you can do to improve yourself and just kind of your longevity in general. What would you say is your purpose that's kind of driven you throughout these years in your career? Well, it took a while for me to actually identify that. But over time, I realized that my life purpose is actually to help others help themselves. And historically, I um, tried to fix everything for everyone and just became very stressed and very tired. And uh, so I had to learn that uh, I can't do that for everybody. If I can see a problem there, I can't always fix it. Other people have to help fix themselves. And uh, I learned that I can only help people in my circle of influence when they're ready to make changes. And by helping people in my circle of influence, that's expanded by word of mouth referrals. Um, Another thing I've had to learn sometimes to say no, uh, there needs to be some boundaries, but my door is always open and I'm always willing to help those that I can help. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of really interesting things there. Like right off the bat, you were talking about accountability. You can only do so much, but at the end of the day, someone has to take accountability and all you can do is really provide them with the information and that extra motivation, right? Like that's kind of what it seems like. That's absolutely spot on. And, you know, there's responsibility and accountability. And I say, I can provide information and I can support you and I can guide you and I can give you information. But if you don't do what's recommended, I can't help. And um, I I see that with many of my patients, those that actually follow a program, those that need to report in, do report in. 
And sometimes it's crazy things. I've got one lady reporting in now giving me three things that make her happy every day. And there's definitely been a, a mental shift in her thinking over about a week's period. And uh, just because she's got to consciously think about it and report in. So she's taking responsibility and being accountable and it's making change. That's great to hear. Now, have you seen a shift in the mindset for people's health in the last like year or so since COVID really became a big thing? Absolutely. And um, I think many more people are looking at their health status and realizing that they do need to make some changes. They can't carry on as they are. Or if they were in a healthier state, they would have a bit of resilience or resistance to whatever pandemics or whatever illnesses um, come along. And uh, yeah, it's about learning to make healthy choices. And as I always say to my grandchildren, I brought my kids up this way, my grandkids the same. Everything has consequences. You make a choice and there's consequences. There might be good consequences and there might be bad consequences, but you live with the consequences of your choices. And uh, sometimes there's unintended consequences from your choices and you need to be mindful. And when those come up, you've got to live with them as well. And I think certainly... Um, taking healthy choices or making decisions about how to live more healthily has definitely become more prevalent in this COVID pandemic time. Yeah. And I think that something that I've been thinking about is that even right before COVID kind of took over, there was a huge anti-vax movement. I don't know if it was the same in South Africa, uh, but we were really experiencing it here in the United States. And do you think that this is something that may persist once the vaccine for COVID becomes widely available or well, what are some other changes you see coming post COVID? Well, I think that um, there's been so many issues with um, fake news and uncertainty and all that, that people are quite skeptical about what they're hearing. And there's certainly some people very pro-vaccine in South Africa and certainly some um, quite anti-vaccine. Um, I don't think a vaccine is a silver bullet. And the nature of viruses is they actually mutate very, very rapidly. So a vaccine that we might have now may not be relevant or suitable or appropriate or have the right efficacy in six months' time. And I think that's where a lot of caution and concern is coming from people is, should I take it or should I not take it? And are there benefits or are there risks or do the benefits outweigh the risk? That's a very good point. And I wonder uh, how this is all going to play out and how people are going to be once it's, you know, once it's a comfortable situation and everyone is able to actually access it. How do you, I, I don't know, in your day-to-day -day work, even as like a registered nurse early on in your career, how did you convince people that getting these vaccines or getting some kind of a treatment is the right thing for them? even though there was all this other misinformation out there? I think it's always a question about, um, and I come from a long risk management background, it's explaining what are risks and what are benefits. And certainly in some uh, instances, I would say vaccines are not appropriate, and I would recommend that people don't take them. And in other instances, I would say, yes, they probably are appropriate. These are what uh, the benefits you might experience, and these are the risks you might experience. And then the individual has to decide. There's got to be an informed consent and it's got to come from a position of knowledge where people know um, what they're doing and why they're doing it. And if they consent to get the vaccine, um, yes, there are consequences and they live with those consequences. And if they choose not to get the vaccine, again, there are consequences and they choose to live with those consequences. 
Right, right. Now, those, are those risks, would you say, are they higher uh, for, for certain vaccines or uh, it's totally okay if, if this is maybe something uh, you don't want to fully dive into, but I'm kind of curious about your professional opinion. Um, are the risks of vaccines, especially COVID vaccine, outweighing the negatives? I think that with, with any medication, there's risk. And a lot of the work that I did in the malpractice field was looking at drug interactions and nutrient depletion and each drug. And I, if I talk about drug, I mean prescription medication, not street drugs, but they have their own issues. And especially if you combine, uh, combine them with prescription medication. But every medication that you put into the body has some effect. It has a chemical reaction and it has a knock-on effect. So you might get the um, solving one problem by administering the medication, but it creates other side effects and creates other problems. And then you're given additional drugs to counteract that. And it's an absolute minefield. And one of the things I like doing is unpacking those drug interactions and seeing if we can cure the root cause or do something to treat the root cause so we don't need medication. So um, it's, it's really quite a, a challenging field to work in. And um, often drugs come with um, the unintended consequences. So they pioneer to treat a certain condition, but the side effects end up causing something else or treating something else. And we call that off-label use of medication. So it might have been registered for a certain use, but the off-label uh, actions could be a benefit in another condition and it's used for the off-label use. So it, it's really a um, very, very complex um, complex field to be working in. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I, um, I'm, I'm listening to a book about uh, about technology and the research that's happening right now uh, within the industry and how uh, up until recently we were taking this kind of wide net approach to uh, cancer treatment and how each specific cancer and each specific person has to be treated very specifically because it is a very unique thing to the individual. And I don't know, re reading up on that, it's just kind of like, wow, it's like there is a risk that what you're doing, I mean, even with like, like different therapies, you might actually be hurting your body. So yeah, it's very, it's very interesting that you bring that up. Well, I think, you know, historically, if I look back at some of the things that we did when I was a very young student nurse, we used to use a, a solution of lead and opium um, on um, joint injuries or ten, you know, soft tissue injuries. And we, we take a, a piece of fabric, a piece of lint, and soak it in this lead and opium solution and drape it over the swollen area and put a fan on and let air circulate past it. <laughs> and it would bring pain relief and it would help reduce the swelling. Um, now I know from my occupational background how damaging lead can be and how uh, lead poisoning can actually affect the nerves. So, um, yeah, I wonder how many patients we actually caused lead poisoning in out of ignorance. And uh, I look at a lot of things that are happening in medicine and they might look good at the time. 20 years down the line, we look back in retrospect and say that was not such a smart move, um, but we did the best we could at the time. So I think it's a rapidly evolving uh, place and certainly what you're saying that uh, about different kinds of cancer treatment and that our bodies are unique and awesomely made and there's, there's trillions of electrochemical reactions happening all the time every day and whatever we do, if, if we don't put the right kind of chemistry and into the body, we actually can cause system failures and that causes um, other disease. 
So we always have to look at um, what are the side effects or what are the benefits of the treatment that we're giving? Does it solve a problem or does it exacerbate the problem or does it create other problems that are worse or equal to or bearable to the original problem, if I can put it like that? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously, you having a, a medical and a risk management uh, background is uh, really interesting to kind of hear you talk about this. And you've already mentioned quite a bit of stakeholders. Now, I kind of want to like dive into a little bit more of that, like what your current stakeholders are, what you do for your current clients, and how, you, uh, how you've identified the primary and the secondary stakeholders. Well, I think there's two aspects on, on the primary stakeholders. My my core focus is really my, my patients or clients where I'm working on um, actually helping them reclaim wellness. I work on a program that I've called Reclaiming Wellness, and it's a 16-week program where I do a deep dive into their medical history. I will start off by, um, was your mother well when she was pregnant? Which sibling are you? Are you number one, two, or three, or 15 in, in the, the batch of babies? And that plays a role. And what illnesses did you have as a child? What treatment were you on? And take that history all the way through from the, the mother's pregnancy to that person's current state and what they're dealing with and what medication they might be taking at the moment, what surgery they might have had and all their life experiences and unpack there and see where I can find a, a golden thread through this medical history to the current problem now and say, can we get back to basics either from a nutritional perspective or um reducing the amount of medication or changing medication or deprescribing medication to let the body heal itself because we know that our bodies are actually designed to heal themselves and if they have the right raw materials they can actually do that to a large extent so that's one aspect of my of my business i also work quite closely with um, some orthopedic surgeons and provide a um, service for patients that are having um, joint replacements and um, then i have other business aspects as well. And I work with business teams where I coach and mentor them in leadership development. So it's, my stakeholders, those are my primary stakeholders. They're quite diverse. And I would say my secondary stakeholders are family members and community of all of the people that I am actually involved with. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. And I kind of wanted to follow up on something you said that depending on what number uh, sibling you are, that might actually affect your health. Can you give us a little bit more information about that? Well, I, I might say some things that are quite um, controversial. The, uh, the infant, the growing infant in the mom's tummy is um, a parasite. And the mother sacrifices um, all of the, the proteins and the, the ingredients that the baby needs to actually form and develop and grow. So depending on the mother's state of health when she actually falls pregnant, that can impact on, shall we say, the quality of the baby that we get. Um, when the mommy's had lots and lots of babies and um, she might not be well nourished or healthy or whatever, that plays a role. And there's a very interesting um, study done by Dr. Ava Cummins or some research by him on vitamin D and saying that the... Um, the, the, the first baby has enough vitamin D from the mom, but the more baby she has, has less vitamin D. And the vitamin D impacts on 5,000 gene expressions every day in your body. So just by which sibling you are, you can actually have either benefit or 
or risk associated where you came in the pack. That's really interesting. That that's uh, that's some science that I did not know about that I'll have to follow up on. <laughs> okay, I can um, send you some links. Absolutely, and maybe I'll even post it in the description for my listeners to read and read onto. And, and I think that you really kind of uh, tied in a lot of your primary stakeholder groups with your secondary stakeholder groups. Which is great. I, I would love to hear how those interactions go, and maybe um, do you find that your clients or your primary stakeholders have a positive effect on those around them after they themselves get healthier? Absolutely. Um, And, you know, um, I speak a lot about role modeling and um, always say I don't do, I I, I won't ask anyone to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And when I explain to people that, um, to especially to parents with young children, whatever you're doing, whatever you're saying, the children are role modeling all the time. And if you listen to your kids playing, you'll hear your voice and you'll hear the things that you say and, and whatever. So um, the way you you choose to feed yourself and the way you choose to feed your kids, you are role modeling for them for the future. And if you're teaching them healthy choices, there is a a very, very strong um, knock-on effect. And um, really from different families, you can see people that associate together and whatever have like-minded thinking. And it's all about... um, we like to be part of a group. As human beings, we want to be part of a group and we want to belong. And it's this cross-pollination almost of ideas and behaviors that actually creates group. And um, it's very, very powerful. So if, if we lean towards the healthy options, we certainly have a much better health impact. And uh, certainly from my clients, often um, spouses or siblings or um, children have become involved and make healthier choices because of what one member of the family has done. Yeah, it's, it's, that's very important because I'm, I've been even thinking about this recently in my personal life. Um, you know, uh, my mom it got me and my brother both to the United States, so I can always be grateful for her. But I definitely didn't have the best eating habits. We always had sugar around. We always had those frozen dinners around. And it's something that I, to this day in my mid-20s, I'm still struggling to eat healthy. And this is eight years after I've moved out of my parents' house. I said, you and I need a serious conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you some things about healthy eating. Yes, please do. I need to read it as much as I can. <laughs> and now, are there any other uh, stakeholder interactions that really stand out to you uh, between yourself, between this, um, your clients, uh, maybe between uh, previous clients that you've had about health uh, and risk management? Oh, that's a... That's a, a, a a complex one and it's easy one. Um, I think I, I've got a reputation um, for working on, on um, being a promoter of healthy choice. And um, actually with, with every with a lot of interactions that I have with various people, um, it always comes up. And my diversity and background, I think, has actually enabled me to add value. And uh, I look forward to opportunities wherever I can speak about this because I think that It's a little bit like the butterfly wing effect or a ripple effect. You might say something to somebody. It might be just a passing comment, but it can have huge impact down the line. And um, that impacts on people that I don't even know and will never know, but um, it can be positive. It's how you kind of like educate people and how you pass on this information as well. This is so important about how they pass it on as well, because it's, it's very important, that initial interaction. 
Now, I like to ask this question of all my guests because it, it's always brings out such interesting answers, but there's this concept called the uh, separation fallacy. And it's basically the idea that um, good business decisions can possibly be good ethical decisions and then vice versa. Ethical decisions can possibly make for successful business decisions. Now, do you subscribe to the, to this idea? Do you think that this is actually false, that these two can be combined? Um, and how have you seen it play out in your life? Yeah, I've had personal experience of this and 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 I really um I really believe that good business decisions need to be based on good values and good ethics. And there's no such things as business ethics and personal ethics. Ethics are ethics. Um, and I've been involved in uh, two business ventures with different companies at separate times where um, not long into the business relationship, about a year into the business relationship, the terms and conditions and the way we were working were changed by the other partners and uh, definitely not aligned with my um, life values and, and my beliefs. And uh, I had to remove myself from those business partnerships. And it was uh, very, on both occasions, both emotionally and financially stressful, but uh, also a great relief when I'd actually removed myself from them. And um, by the same token, I've also had some remarkable, successful contractual arrangements and partnerships where I was able to learn and grow working in companies and with companies that had the same values and ethics and uh, where business decisions were made from this perspective. And I think what was really striking for me, I recently read Simon Sinek's book, um, The Infinite Game, and it's a remarkable book. And I was actually thinking about it a lot in relation to my, my business history and work history. And when, you, when you're working for the greater good and when there's a win-win for everybody um, in this infinite game, that's when companies prosper and that's where employees do well, um, management does well. There's a good harmony and balance between the various parties within the organization. And that has a very positive outcome for um, either service delivery or product manufacture or whatever the outcome of the business is. And certainly, I subscribe to that. That's a, a long-term view. And um, how do we work for the greater good? Um, yeah, I think that's that's core to what I believe in business. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up Simon Sinek. I recently finished his uh, Leaders Eat Last. And uh, it's, it's a very similar idea of that uh, people have to uh, help each other and kind of like be there for each other and that we've created a society because that's what lets us thrive. And if we, just like you mentioned earlier on, how like business relationships change without letting you know, then that is actually making you lose trust in the other people and you're going to move away and there's going to be value lost. Absolutely. And 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 some of it was, was uh, as I say, quite emotionally traumatic and quite uh, financially traumatic, but uh, I just couldn't see myself functioning um, in those environments. And uh, the crazy thing is, is removing myself from those environments actually opened doors for me to move into places where I could function better um, with my value system and add a lot more value. And yeah, I just um, believe, you know, one door closes and another one opens. That's the way doors work. And sometimes the door opens and we just have to step through. Yeah, you're so right. And maybe it's even that you built confidence in yourself that you can't say no uh, in the face of challenge, right? And that uh, you built that confidence to go forth and do good and do well. 
Yeah, I think that was that was a tough lesson for me to learn of learning to say no. Um, and sometimes I still have to remind myself that it's actually okay to say no because um, I like to take on challenges. And uh, you have to actually um, just say, how does this fit into my my life at the moment? And do I have capacity for it? And uh, will I be able to add value? And will I be able to add value without detracting too much from my own personal needs and family needs? No, that's a great point now. I really want to thank you for being on the show today. Um, I think you brought some great insight for my listeners and for myself as well. I'm definitely looking forward to those links. Um, and do you have any final thoughts before we sign off today? Andy, I just wish you, wish you lots of joy and, and gratitude and blessings with the work that you're doing and um, look forward to listening to some of your interviews with other people in the future and uh, really excited about learning about stakeholder theory and uh, thinking about um, business from that perspective as well. It's, it's been an interesting experience for me. So I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely. That was again, Nell Brown um, from South Africa. And um, thank you very much again, Nell. And I'll see the rest of my listeners in the next episode. <laughs>